Hi, Michaela. Hi, Steve. Well, today we're going to talk about the imprints that influence the way we behave and experience relationship. And we actually have a couple of retreats coming up this year, specifically on this theme, uh, residential retreats, one in Portugal, one in Australia. So perhaps we could discuss these themes today, lineage, love, and liberation. Yeah, let's talk about that a bit because there is, um, you know, major influences on how, whom we pick and how we behave in relationship. And some of those are better known than others. So I think it's worth kind of giving a bit of an overview on what what goes where and how can people work with it or even uh, find out what they have going on. But I do want to say the dates, because we are talking about these retreats, are Portugal, uh, in the Odemira region of Portugal, which is a most gorgeous place, uh, March 6 to 11. And uh, Venus Bay, also a gorgeous place, um, April 17 to 21st. And of course, you can find all the details on the website and we'll post them also below in the comments. So let's talk a little bit about the different influences. So in the way that we're working with it uh, in general, in sessions as well as in these retreats, is we can look at the different influences that imprint on us. And of course, in recent years, um, a lot more has been talked about that because, of course, the fads of uh, therapy always bring out certain things, right? We were all into trauma. Then we were all into attachment theory. And so there's these different things that people know about, but there's a bigger picture. And the bigger picture is essentially that we have ancestral patterning. We have parental patterning or familial patterning. We have relational, previous relational patterning. And then a subcategory of previous relational patterning is sexual imprints. And all of those influence whom we pick and how we pick. So the first thing to talk about, because that's what most people know about, because that's also what happens when you go to therapy and you look at family of origin uh, or you look at attachment patterns, right? We look at parental imprints and there is, of course, uh, attachment patterns. And um, I think it's important to say that attachment theory was really for early childhood development and it's been kind of somewhat hijacked towards um, diagnosing people uh, in their adult years as to why they don't have relationships the way they, they think they should have relationships. And there is some truth to it, but also that's not the entire uh, lens because that's only one of many lenses. And I think it's really important when we look at things like um, relationships, where there's so much at stake and there's so much at play that we don't just reduce it down to one lens like attachment, you know, you're anxiously attached or you're, you know, the old, you're not feminine enough or whatever. It's not as simple as just one, one size or one lens fits all. It's these complex patterns that play themselves out. But once you understand how they play themselves out, you can actually work with them quite effectively. So when we look at parental imprints, what we're really looking at is not only how did you attach as a child to your mother and how does that uh, affect your life, but we're also looking at 
um, two different aspects of what we see from those who raise us. And for most of us, that's our parents or step-parents or adoptive parents. Um, for some people, it's different. But essentially, the, the ecosystem we are born into is the ecosystem we calibrate to. And that means on one end that we essentially assimilate how our parental figures do relationship. We see certain things and we uh, observe certain things the way you know they interact. But also, of course, it's how we interact with them. And there's a really interesting piece there because for most people, um, when they individuate, meaning when they understand that they are separate human beings uh, that have somewhat free will and can say no, which is what you often hear when children individuate, then um, what happens is that when you when you kind of go to that place where you understand there's you and there's your parents, uh, in that interaction, often things start to happen. For instance, you form belief um, systems around who you are based on your parents' behavior. And you also form love imprints based on your parents' behavior. So one of the classic examples here is, let's say if your parents are very distracted and very busy, or your parents are alcoholics or drug addicts or things like that. They're not, they're very absent and you don't get a lot of uh, attention. And then when you act out, you get attention by um, being reprimanded or suddenly fixed or given, you know, a lot of attention, maybe negative attention. You will come to understand that your behavior produces what to you is love, which is maybe negative attention or criticism or sudden focus on you. And so these love imprints build themselves in our nervous system where we go, oh, that is love. So um, if you are neglected, then maybe you think that is love. Or if you, um, you know, get negative attention if you've acted out and, and somebody is mad at you, that is love. Or if they're very critical of you, that is love. Because that's, that's when you get the most. So that happens to all of us in some ways. And there's ways to slice that where it's very useful. But for what we are talking about, what we can say is that we each have kind of an imprint from our childhood that says, that's love. And that might not actually be love, uh, but that's the love identified as love based on that's what we got. So then what typically happens is as you grow up, um, there's a part of you that goes, well, that isn't love. I don't want that anymore. Um, I don't want to be uh, with somebody who criticizes me a lot. But that small part, meaning the um, barely individuated part who got, you know, stunted in development based on having to behave a certain way to get love, let's say, for a classic one is overbearing mother, people-pleasing uh, um, people child, right? That's a classic one. Or um, irate father, alcoholic father, whatever, um, very sensitive, can feel the mood of a room, people-pleasing child or acting out child. So there's these classic patterns that 
that then translate into relationship where the adult goes, well, I certainly don't want to be with a volatile uh, partner, or I don't want to be with a critical partner. But there's a part of us that goes, well, but that's love. So we tend to pick people who replicate these patterns of, let's say, a critical, you know, critical partner, people pleasing partner. Um, and then, of course, the, people, the critical partner has their own pattern. Um, for instance, you know, they feel like they always have to be in control because they had a very unsafe childhood. So they need to be with somebody who lets them be in control and be critical. And then that person, of course, wants to please the critical partner. And now you have these um, really interesting dynamics that play out in relationship. And uh, when you know that and when you understand that, you can actually safeguard against some of these dynamics playing out in their fullness. Uh, you can also reshape some of these dynamics by understanding which parts of, uh, you know, a person still act out, you know, small child parts. So there's a whole body of work there um, that we are doing, of course, but also that can be explored in a variety of different therapies and and uh, a variety of different um, lenses. So that's your parental imprint. Uh, and of course, based on that parental imprint, meaning based on whatever um, you received from your parents, you'll build an entire persona that is geared towards making up for what is wrong wrong, right? It's not really wrong, but it's perceived as such. So somebody whose parents were very hands-off or somebody who was abandoned might be extremely self-sufficient. Uh, and then on one end, they'd want to do everything for themselves. On the other hand, they don't trust somebody else to be there for them. And so those are the kind of dynamics that we look at when we look at the parental imprint. And there is a sub- category here that's also really, really interesting, uh, or, or further category that's really interesting, and that's ancestral imprints. And so ancestral imprints run in the realm of, on one end, epigenetic um, aspects, you know, where we are, where certain traumas and certain behaviors are passed down on the, uh, on the methylated chains of the, around the DNA, meaning it's information that turns on and off gene expression based on our ancestry. And there's a whole emerging field of research there. Um, and that's interesting in so far that the research shows that we do inherit traumas from our ancestors, but also that there is very effective techniques to reduce that and release it and reshape it. And those techniques are essentially the techniques that are used in shamanic practices and rituals. Um, there's ways to work with that very effectively somatically, because of course you can't work with it. Um, you know, you can go on a massive fact-finding mission six generations back, but it's much easier to work with that um, somatically as well as let's say archetypically or archetypically is it archetypically? Archetypally. I, archetypally. That's what I was thinking. Because archetypes are one way that you can work with ancestral patterns. So ritual, um, certain kind of uh, very specific shamanic 
you know, adjacent shamanic and shamanic adjacent practices and archetypal myth kind of practices get under the epigenetic aspect. And then there's, of course, the parental aspect that you can work with very specifically. And uh, we've developed this entire set of exercises to work with both of those, uh, because I think it's super, super important when people go into relationship that as much as possible of that is reshaped, released, put into proper perspective, or at least brought to light from the kind of unconscious shadowy aspects to something that can be worked with. And it's actually quite good when people work together with it, they can understand how the dynamic works and then kind of head it off before it happens because typically not both people are gripped by that pattern locking at the same time. So I've always been really, really into this in my counseling practice. And then from there, it's been developed to be an actual five-day you know, engagement. Um, so these things can be loosened. So then the next thing um, that we can look at, which is a whole other layer uh, to work with, is previous relationships imprints and that's much easier to say to see because that's fairly recent you know most people start having relationships with 16 17 18 20 typically people have their first serious relationship in their uh, early 20s you know late teens early 20s so we can look at that much easier and go oh I got the message I'm not x enough or I got the message I'm undesirable, or I got the message, I'm amazing, you know, all of that can happen in the first relationship or first couple of dating experiences. And those imprints, and also the breakups of those relationships influence how we go into new relationships. And nowadays, of course, because a lot of dating and early engagement happens digitally and happens, you know, not even face to face, these things are even deeper ingrained and and more nefarious because um, most people have a lot of rejection in the dating world and they have a lot of not so great experiences. So all of those experiences, great and not great, layer and they are all brought into whatever current dating slash relationship or budding relationship um, forms together with the parents and the ancestors. So it's this long line of people on, you know, on all sides that are connected to when we show up in relationship. And that, of course, isn't uh, really a current moment in time snapshot of who we are. And so it's important to look at these things and look at what kind of coping mechanisms, what kind of imprints and what kind of behaviors are we in from previous relationships. So that's a whole strand of a really interesting exploration and very worthwhile exploration uh, in the context of looking at all the relationships, what have they contributed, what has gone wrong. Uh, that kind of you know inventory, so to speak, is very useful. Uh, and not from a place of you know deep excavation, but more from a little bit of a higher vantage point of because of course in in every human's life the common denominator is the person and so to kind of pull out a little bit and see what are the common 
pieces, how does it connect is very useful. And then one of the things that I've developed maybe 12, 14 years ago and have actually never taught publicly, which we're gonna teach this year publicly, is sexual imprints and how to remove those from the body because that's also something that can really mess with a relationship, particularly when it's a deep sexual imprint. Because aside from the relational aspects of you know, the imprint or the ideas of who we are, there's very specific, almost mechanical uh, things that happen in the sexual domain. And uh, that kind of you know engagement with another human body to body uh, in that kind of depth can create a sexual imprint that um, is very, you know, deep, can be very deep. And typically our deepest sexual imprint shapes um, how we can open to somebody else or how we can't. And you often hear this. We had this in the AMA questions three or four times. I can't get my ex um, out of my system. I have this wonderful husband. I love him deeply. He's so kind, but I'm still thinking of the bad boy who dumped me six years ago, but I had this insane chemistry with, right? So you have, you have that a lot and both ways where people get really stuck on a previous partner where the relationship wasn't that great, but something about the chemistry or the, the sexual aspect was so strong that now they're stuck on that and they can't actually fully open to another partner or they're not even willing to try certain, um, you know, even like just regular, uh, you know, relationship because they're so stuck on something. And that can be quite debilitating because it also bleeds into um, self-pleasure and it bleeds into um, opening to the world in a certain way, you know, that kind of heart open, almost erotic engagement with nature. All of that gets very, very um, constricted when you're fixated on an old sexual imprint uh, that you can't have. And so uh, it's very worthwhile reshaping and um, reorienting those imprints even if you're still with that partner, so that your attention isn't so focused on that thing and that person, regardless if they're around or not, and much more focused on a wider, let's say more devotional um, you know, disposition. So that's also a whole field of inquiry that can be worked with automatically uh, to us with you know practices and rituals and all of those and that's why I'm saying it's not as easy as just one lens all of those in each human make this very unique shape that is kind of the relational makeup and when you understand those shapes and when you understand the different influences they are not the unconscious drivers of whom you're picking next or whom you're not picking um, and also not the unconscious driver of discontent or feeling you're not in the right relationship or all of those kind of things that happen routinely. Um, but you're much more aware of why these things happen. And then once you know why they happen, you can actually, uh, you know, on one end, release things, reshape things, but also have skills and 
you know, kind of, let's say, protocols so that you don't fall into the deep holes of just imprints that are really no longer useful. Very interesting indeed. And these themes, they do come up a lot. You mentioned they appear in the AMA and they do show up in workshops that we run and the private clients that we work with. So it's excellent, I think, to lay out some of these ideas here. And those retreats are coming up soon. The Deep Dive Love Lineage and Liberation Retreats in Portugal and Melbourne. What are those dates again? March 6 to 11 for Portugal and April 17 to 21 for Venus Bay, Victoria, Australia. Yeah, and we have a couple of spots left on those. They are selling out quite fast. So if you want to know more about it or you want to sign up, www.michaelabone.com or you can click the link in the episode description. Well, thank you very much, Michaela. Thanks, Steve.